Welcome back to Asinine Radio, a weekly podcast where we talk about music and, well, that's pretty much it. So, uh, let's go! bunch of buffoons this is asinine radio this is the weekly music podcast where every week we get into a different album different artist uh by a different artist and we, uh, we break it down uh we get into the lyrics music how it was made all that good stuff and we try to have a good time doing it uh, my name is tyler and way out there hundreds of miles away is jeff while you're listening go to spotify apple Podcasts, give us five stars and five stars only because that means the most and boost our rating up we're at 4.2 get us to to five stars that's that's all we want. That's all we care about are, are the ratings. Um, yeah, I don't know. All the social media is at Asinine Radio. Follow us, talk to us, hang out. So yeah, that's all I got for the boring intro. Let's uh, let's just <laughs> let's just jump into the uh, the album of the week. So what are we doing today, Jeff? Go. We're doing uh, the Fuji's, the records of all time. Now, Jeff, um, what's your what's your origin story with the Fuji's? Uh, this song, Killing Me Softly, is my origin story with the Fugees. I never really liked it. Never really liked the Fugees. Honestly, until like very, very recently. I, I just, dude, the 90s was, was, and we'll get into it later, but this era era of the 90s was just, it was gangster rap. And me growing up, I I only listened to gangster rap. That's, that's I, I lived and died by it. That's all I listened to. And this shit that was, people were fucking singing and rapping, like, I don't got time for this. So I never you with your low rider magazine. Yeah, yeah. Dude, and my my Adidas and my pulled up socks and my my long dickies. <laughs> yeah, dude, I had no time for this shit. Straight out of Atwood. Yeah, dude, I'm uh, fucked Atwood. Posers over there. <laughs> <laughs> so I had no I had no time for this. Um, never really you never no really time, cared no for it. For this. Yeah. I I I didn't even get into it honestly until like this week. But I've liked what I've liked Lauren Hill's uh, only album for for many years and i have it on the vinyls and i've I've had it for a while and i absolutely love it but i've never really gotten into the fujis because i don't know i really don't know why to be honest i just i just never did i never did because i've always thought they sounded like this song and they (laughs) they do and don't at the same time so um yeah i guess i guess my origin story is this song and then and then really i've not got into them until like this week Okay, that's great. That's wild, man. All right, um, my my origin story is uh, fuck. Honestly, it's not really the Fugees. It's it's Lauren Hill. It's it's her song Doo-Wop. That song. I remember when that video came out on MTV, and uh, I mean, I wasn't really into hip hop at all, and 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 really pop at all. But I don't know. There was something about this song that I just thought, "Wow, this is this is really really good." And and you know, being you know a teenage boy, I'm like, "Wow, she's really pretty. Oh, she's really oh, hot." Yeah. She she I think I think she's really pretty. But um, but yeah, no, I, I just that was the first thing I heard, and then I think probably "Killing Me Softly" sometime shortly after that, hearing that because you know when doo came out that was that was fucking huge that song was everywhere and then i remember 
eventually hearing Killing Me Softly. And for the long time, I thought Killing Me Softly was on the... Uh, the um, Miseducation? Miseducation, yeah. Yeah. But then, yeah, I think it was like maybe like mid-2000s, I finally heard the, this Fuji's record. And I actually, no, I it was Tower Records when I worked at Tower Records. That's when I first heard it because there was a lot of hip-hop, like a lot of people that I worked with that were super into hip-hop, especially underground hip-hop. And we play. I remember they used to play the Fugees every once in a while, even though they're not really underground. But yeah, that was that was the, definitely the first time that I listened to the record in its entirety. And I've always liked it, and I've always wanted it on vinyl. But it's always one of those records where I see, I see it all the time, like even at Target. Like it's some shit that they sell at Target and Walmart. So it's like uh, I know it's always there. So I've never, I haven't still haven't bought it. But yeah, that's that's kind of my my origin story with Fugees. That's crazy. So, yeah, I don't I don't know. I never. Never got into the Fugees. Never. Do you cared. remember when when the doo-wop song came out though? Yeah. Do you remember that video? Yeah. That video was like iconic too. That was a sick video. That thing. That thing. That thing. That's a banger. That's yeah. a certified banger right there. That little, that little piano thing. The little ding 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 ding. Great. <laughs> But uh, okay, so yeah, let, let's get into our first impressions on the score. Um, so, I mean, considering yeah, I mean, we're both fairly new. Like, I never got into them like super hard. But yeah, what do you got? Um, so do you, like so we also listened to the to the debut albums by all three of the members by Praz, Wyclef, and then Lauren, um, and then the two Fuji albums. Do you do you want to just because I'm curious? We can, I'll just yeah, give my my five, and then you give your five, and then we can go forward. Let's do it. Okay. From the worst so, to the best. Worst to best. Okay, the worst is Pras for sure. That's hands down okay. easy. It was uh, it was kind of bad. It was it was that song <laughs> Ghetto Superstar is fun. It is. It is. It's a fun song. Yeah. I listened to it strictly because of nostalgia and Maya. Dude, I was just like obsessed with Maya at that time. But <laughs> it's so funny. The song's dumb. It's dumb. <laughs> it's a really dumb song, but yeah, it has. I, a, I think it's a lot of nostalgia. It has the same. Plus that movie Bullworth, dude. I fucking love that movie Bullworth. That was so good. I've and, never seen it. And uh, that song reminds me of also the the Money in a Thing with with uh, Jermaine Dupri, like the top down screaming now Money in a Thing, with um, I think oh. it was Jay Z was on that one too. Remember? I don't remember that. No, I don't remember that. Uh, so like those two songs are both very very just they're cheesy as fuck, dude. They're bad. But Prize's album it was it was tough to get through. Didn't like it. Um, next up, I would probably say the Fuji's first album. And all, all okay. my top four, I would get on the vinyls. The Fuji's first album, just because it's not, it's it's a little too chaotic. It's a little too, it's a little too out there. It's not as focused as the score. Mm-hmm. But I don't think, uh, okay. So the, my third one is probably going to be Wyclef, but it's so fucking close to my number two. Wyclef, man, that that his first album is fucking unreal. It is so goddamn good. The Wyclef, like the Fuji's alone did so much for hip-hop and so much for music but that white class first album man, he paved the way for so many people dude black eyed peas fucking t-pain akon anybody that like can sing and then also rap and then just do like any kind of like auto-tune on their voice or dance in their in their music Wyclef is like the person that kind of like started that 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 thing that that thing that thing that, thing. that. and then my number two <laughs> the score but again, that's very, very close. What? Very, wow, very close okay. with with Wyclef's. Wyclef's could have could have passed up the score, and then obviously number one is is Miseducation. That that album is just, it's fucking stupid how good that album is. And Lauren Hill's hmm. is, is uh, 
it's weird because you think that she's like underrated, right? Because you don't like hear her talked about enough and, and people don't talk. Yeah. But she only did one fucking album. I know, and right? That album well, there's that unplugged ton record of, of awards. But that was nothing. Yeah. Yeah, so, you're right. I don't think she's like underrated. She's not talked about enough just because she didn't do anything else. And I actually mm-hmm. read, I read an article that she, she did a podcast with somebody from Rolling Stones, Rolling Stone a while ago. <laughs> and they asked her like, why have you never done another record? And she's because nobody fucking asked me. Like nobody's ever reached out and said, Hey, do you want to do another record? And I thought that was so weird. Like, why would you not fucking huh. ask Laura Neal to do another record? Are you kidding me? But hasn't, hasn't she always been known to have, you know, to be kind of, I don't know, like fussy or, you know, people or like Proz is always like talk shit on her. Well, because Proz is uh, Proz, and even and even even Wyclef has said, you know, you, I think she needs to see a psychiatrist. Like, and then wasn't and then she was like for like a year or two, she was like squatting in a in a random house. Remember that shit? She's definitely been fussy, but yeah, I, they were young when this out when this all was happening. They were young when, when the score was coming out. They were young when their first album came out. So the fact that no one's reached out to her since 1999. I don't to, really buy that. To do an I album, I think, I is, is silly boy talk. I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. But yeah, I, I, I think it. I think her album is better than than everything. And, and and eventually, when I give my final score of the score, the score is definitely a product of its time because it came out when it did. It is now bigger and better than if it came out even two years after or two years before the year it came out. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I That's agree. my five rankings. Okay, so I mean, real quick, my five. Um, we're gonna go with uh, Wyclef, his solo record. Wow, I just I I was really bored. I I think I was just expected more, because he's just so renowned. Like everybody knows who Wyclef is. Um, I just I sometimes I don't really care for his reggae his reggae kind of feel to songs. A little tinge. I think what a little little reggae tinge. Yeah, sometimes it's just. It seems too derivative. Like it doesn't seem very authentic. I know I understand he's from Haiti, all that stuff, but it just never really sounded right. But I mean, what what the fuck do I know? I'm just some white dude. Um, so yeah, White Clef is my five. Uh, four would definitely have to be Praz. I didn't really think his record was that great either. Ghetto Superstar was a ton of fun. Um, there was a lot of like '90s kind of, a lot of like that '90s R&B kind of feel to it to the beats. Um, I, I don't know. I just both of them were kind of forgettable records. Those those so those first solo records. Um the uh the first and then my number 3 is the first uh Fuji's record. I think this is a good record. It sounds a little unfocused, but it gets the job done. I I mean Lauren Hill, ugh, dude, she's incredible. I'm going to I'm going to say that so much. But yeah, so the the first Fuji record is my number 3. My number 2 is it's really a toss up. I, I, right now, it's going to have to be the score, is my number two, and then I think I think Lauren Hill's solo record, her yeah, her only record, is is better than the score right now. I was I was blown away by it. It was so fucking good, so good, and much like you, I mean, both of them, both her solo record and the Fuji's record, the score, they're they're they are products of the time, but there's something about Lauren Hill that transcends all that. Like her voice, oh my god, her voice is just beautiful. Yeah, it really is, man. It's just, I was, I've never really thought about her voice that much until this week when I was really listening to it, and she's she's amazing. She really is amazing. Yeah, it's remarkable. But anyway, yeah, those are my those are my five. But let's let's jump back into into the score. 
Ah, <sighs> where are we at? Um, me oh softly. yeah, so we gave our first impressions. Let, let's talk about Killing Me Softly uh, because we already played it, and this is arguably the biggest hit they ever had that she's ever had. Because I think this is bigger than Doo-Wop. I would imagine, I th- right? This is this is probably the biggest hit that any of them have ever had for sure. Yeah, outside of Hips Don't Lie, right? <laughs> good song. So good. Um, <laughs> song is so anyway, good. Yeah. What, what do you got for Killing Me Softly? So like I I just wrote down like my my biggest banger and then I wrote down top five B's and then I kind of just did high mid tier low B's because okay. I don't know I thought that was just easier because I don't know these songs that well so I couldn't go back and be like oh the mask yeah this is better than the Beast because because I don't really remember the Beast that well so I don't know them that well so that's how I I kind of rank these okay well okay so I have six beyond bangers. And then I have one that's really riding the line of a stinker, really Ooh. riding that line. Okay. And then everything else is uh, is like a filler, is a banger. Pos- no, they're all just, well, the intro outros are filler bangers. They're completely unnecessary. Um, and then, you know, the rest are bangers. So, Okay. Can- well, Killing Me Softly is a top five. It's, it's it's just something that I would put in the top five. It's it's iconic. It really is really, really, really good. It's easy to put this as your 1B. I wouldn't even like argue in any way because this is like defining the Fugees in so many different ways. It's a perfect song. Yeah. It's a perfect cover. And Lauren is just fucking like angelic, God tier on this song. Oh, and, I know. And you know, I, like, I've, I've, a little backstory, I guess, to the song itself, right? Recorded most famously by Roberta Flack. And mm-hmm. I've, I've, I've come across this album multiple times, a lot of Roberta Flack, and I still have one in my collection. But I just, I ne- like, I just never got into like the R and B stuff, and so I, I've never kept the Killing Me Softly album that she did. I don't really like it. I don't, I don't, I don't get it. But I listened to like live versions that she did, and it's really, really good. But it's mm-hmm. not this good. It's not, it's not Fuji's Killing Me Softly good, because there's just something about like Lauren Hill's delivery where it just it sounds real it sounds painful and yeah. you get those little like those little like Wyclef moments where he throws in his little you know his little flavor flav Flare. hype man yeah. <laughs> and it's like it's just yeah. it's good it's just enough but it's not too much to be annoying and that beat drops so fucking hard you know you get yeah. that 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 kind of um i don't know what it is it's some sort of guitar pipe I, I don't know what it is that chinese lute instrument i don't know yeah but that bam, 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 I don't even know how it goes. Whatever, however it goes. Good. And then the beat just drops super fucking hard. The acapella to that transition to the beat. And then the, you know, they're just like kind of like subtly hyping each other up. They're like, yeah, one, one, two. It's just like, it's just so stupid. It's so 90s. I, I don't know, man. It's so 90s R&B. And, and I love it. And goddamn, her voice is just angelic. I mean, that's the best way to describe it. I mean, I think she's just, I, I was so blown away this week. Honestly, I, I cannot give her enough credit for her voice. Not just her singing voice, but her rapping as well. But I'll get into that in a little bit. Because, yeah, this song is just about her beautiful voice. It's, it's so it's, fucking good, man. It's a fucking perfect song. In, in 1996, man, this is coming out. In 1996 was arguably the, the biggest year in hip hop history. Just we're getting all of yeah. it's at the height of the East Coast versus West Coast feud. Pac dies yeah. in '96. Uh, Snoop Dogg holds like a fucking summit to bring all these other rappers together to try and 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 quell the the the, the animosity and bring peace. And then months later, Biggie dies. And so mm-hmm. this 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 fucking this, this 
this year was just insane. There were so and many great albums dropped in 96, and it was just, nobody saw the Fugees coming. Didn't AT Aliens come out in 96 as well? That, that was like, I, th- I think that was 96, yeah. I think it was like, like just another example of great hip hop coming up, coming out that year. That or was at least around this time. Yeah, that was. I think that was '96, and that was what pissed off uh, Dre. Was he was all mad that nobody was giving the South any 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 love, and that was the whole big thing where he was all mad at the. I think it was the Source Awards that he was pissed off at. Yeah, yeah, that's right. But like that's this right. this this mid '90s to the late '90s was an era of music that was of hip hop at least. That if you weren't with us, you were against us. If you weren't East Coast, then you were the enemy of the East Coast. Even if you just True. weren't anything. You had to be one or the other because it was so, it was so lucrative from like a money standpoint. They were just selling fucking millions of albums. Pac was selling millions of albums, and nobody, when, nobody in a million years thought that you could sing on a fucking hip hop album. Fuji's come out and they're singing. Like, what the fuck is this? But no, no, because like even when you look at Biggie or even some of uh, West Coast stuff too. I mean, you had Nate Dogg singing, you know, the 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 melodies during the chorus, and then even with Biggie, you had what was her name, Faith Evans. Right, isn't that her yeah. name? Yeah, she sang. She sang all the melodic stuff too on the Biggie songs. But those, so I mean, it's not unheard not, of. No, 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 no. She's not part of the the artist that is Biggie, Notorious well, B.I.G. No, you're right. These, this is this is an artist. This is their their concept. This is what is what they are putting forth, and and they're no harms like like the Fugees here. They're killing me softly. No, is one hundred percent a a singing song. This is an R and B song from a otherwise hip hop group. So yeah, there are little pockets here and there, but even like California Love, right? The California Love that's after yeah. this album came out. So like a Was lot it of really, yeah, like that's there's there's a lot of uh. things that people are singing on, and yeah, Dre and Dre and uh, and 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 uh, fucking Big Boy were were singing, but nobody cared about the South. Nobody cared unless you're East Coast and West Coast, and so the Fuji's dropping this album coming from the East Coast. Who weren't a part of like the native tongues? Who weren't a part of like the conscious underground hip hop movement era? They are they're big names. And Prize was already already producing things for bigger people. This is the same year that he produced uh, Redman's album Muddy Waters, and so he's he's already like full into the production aspect of it. So he's already full into the the East Coast part of it, right? Because the Wu Tang is East Coast, even though they weren't Would directly you- involved in the bickering. But like my God, this is crazy. So I want to know your opinion on the on this though. Like Wu Tang, yes, I know they're New York, they're they're East Coast, obviously, but they, I feel like they were never a part of that feud. The same way, you know, what was it Big Boy Entertainment with with you know P Diddy and 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 Biggie and stuff. Like Wu Tang were never really a part of that. They were they kept more under the radar, more underground. Well, right? don't forget. So like the feud was for sure. You can boil it down to. Death Row versus Death Row Big, Boy. Big Boy, yeah, and then but like Wu Tang, they're because they're too busy fighting with themselves. They're too like Rizza and Jizza true, and, yeah. and You God <laughs> and Ghostface. They're all fighting with each other, and so that you know whatever. But but yeah, they were a part of East Coast. They repped East Coast. They were East Coast boys. They were from the projects. They were, that's what they did. But I think they didn't take the side of West Coast, and so therefore they were clumped in together with the East Coast. Stuff which is so silly. The whole thing, the whole thing is entirely stupid. Well, it's silly now, but like people were dying, like people were getting killed over well, this stuff, and that's and that's even sillier. And it's not even just people <laughs> were getting killed, but like police were involved in possible scandals, cover ups, murders. Yeah, and so like that's this is just this is bigger than music. This is this is like 
<laughs> I don't. This is like genre. This is era defining. This is decade defining in just American history. It is. It is unreal how entrenched the LAPD was into this East Coast West Coast feud. Even still to this day, people are still there's still conspiracies out there about who actually killed Biggie or who killed Pac and whether or not the LAPD was even involved in the murders of these people, which I guess at that point it would be just like an execution. True. Yeah, but anyway, true. this this all boils down to like the Fugees. The Fugees releasing an album that has a ton of singing and it's it's weird. It's weird. Mm-hmm. It's it's a breath of fresh air. 96, my girl Lil' Kim, her first album dropped in 96. Oh, my God. Very, very different. <laughs> very, very different. <laughs> oh, it's so dumb. <laughs> Man, what a time. What a fucking time. This is, it's just unreal. And then, like, the, the strategically releasing the different um, singles, right? Because Killing Me Softly was early 96, but then Ready or Not, and then No Woman No Cry were released. No Woman No Cry for sure was released after Pac died. And then I don't know if Ready or Not okay. was released after Pac died, but Pac died late night, not 96, like September, October 96. And so then you get like like the whole hip hop community and kind of like the world is, is looking at like the death of Tupac, just like, holy fucking shit. This has just got like really, really real. Because don't forget, Pac was already shot up once, remember? Yeah, you're right. Got a bunch of times. Then he got all paranoid and, and started blaming people. And it was like, dude, you, you're kind of going crazy. Relax. And then he eventually died. And to release like singles from this album after Pac died, and it kind of like hit that, it, it, it tugged at the heartstrings of even the most vile of, of, of East Coast versus West Coast gangsters. And we're like, wow, man, this is getting real. And so the Fugees are a product of this time be- mm-hmm. because they released an album at just the height of this beef. I think this record is better than it actually is because if this came out like today, it's just, it's, it's fine in that aspect. But it's already been done. But because it was done at this specific time, that gives it more. But also so many, I mean, I feel like they were, this record inspired, this record inspired so much after, you know, I mean, yeah, people were doing the melodic choruses and all that crap. But like you said, like Lauren Hill, took it to that next level they she they did it as a collective as a group and you brought up the black eyed peas which you know some might argue is better or worse without fergie or with fergie whatever but i mean they were directly inspired by this record absolutely through and through we, we might not even so, have macy gray if it wasn't for for the fujis and, and Lauren what's Hill. the connection with macy gray it's, macy gray was just another one that kind of like just you know very r&b soul focused yeah but she was very much entrenched in like the hip-hop community was she a rap? Did she rap too? I mean, like, in the sense that everybody from like the late nineties was rapping. Okay. But her her okay. first album that that uh, I don't know that what's that song called? Uh, walk away. I try. I try. Yeah, I, I try. try. Walk away and I, I hate that song, dude. I fucking hate <laughs> that song so much. Yeah. <laughs> it's so dumb. <laughs> I just I just don't like her. I don't like her style of singing. Her voice. Yeah, really. I don't either. It's way too raspy. It's like Janis Joplin, just yeah. annoying. Not shut my up. thing. Yeah, just shut the fuck up. That's yeah, I don't know. If it wasn't for Lauren Hill, I don't know, becoming like a, <laughs> a, a household name, I, who knows? Who fucking Yeah, you're knows? right. She, she, you know, I I mean, oh, God, when you really think about it, too, she only put out one record, so she doesn't get the recognition, recognition that she deserves, but somebody like Beyonce, who's obviously a great singer, but Beyonce, like, is just praised and loved when... Ah, dude, Lauren Hill did it so much better. 
Like you listen to you listen to Miseducation, you listen, listen to that and listen to any Beyonce record, any Destiny's Child record, and I listen to a lot of them, and none of they all pale in comparison to that Lauren Hill record. Yeah. I mean, I understand like some of it is more pop based than R and B with Beyonce, but still, man. Lauren Hill Lauren Hill is leaps and bounds. And you better, like, more interesting, authentic than Beyonce. I, I don't know, man. Even Beyonce and Destiny's Child, they all came after the Fugees. Like that's this is all stuff that yeah, came you're after. Right, yeah. I don't think I just don't think anybody wanted to fuck around in in any capacity, if you wanted to to produce an album or be a new artist during the height of the gangster rap era, I just think it was just it was just suicide. Like you couldn't do it. You couldn't compete with that kind of publicity. Like everybody was watching this shit. Like all of these gang shootings. But like it was just it was romanticized maybe, in, a, in a time. There's, maybe there's a no lot way. of it. Maybe a lot of it in the media, or a lot of it was just burnout. We people were were people were burnout buy gangster rap you know because you had nwa what 1989 1988 no nah, the world fucking loves gangster gangsters dude but but you, i mean at some point you have to everybody gets exhausted by a music genre they were exhausted by by grunge by punk by hair metal it, it, it all runs its course blues rock people that right that ran its course too but none of that everything runs its into course. actual real world application none of those started fucking killing each other in the streets well, none I know, of that I stuff understand. was in, entrenched in police brutality and it was I, a none of that stuff was a part of society the way hip-hop has been no i understand that but you could still be exhausted you could still like be mentally exhausted from seeing the same bullshit that was going on between the east and west coast rivalry I think had had Pac and Biggie not died, then yes, it would have been exhausting. But I think you cannot write a better soap opera than than gangster rap feuding, feuding, culminating to the point where people are now dying. You can't write better scripts than that. And maybe it it, it it's all a script. Maybe Biggie and Tupac are still alive, and this is all a publicity stunt. That's a huge. There's plenty plenty of conspiracies out yeah. there still to this day that say that yes. And there are also conspiracies that Elvis is still alive. So I mean, nobody gives a fuck about Elvis. Who cares? <laughs> fuck Elvis. Yeah, seriously. Um, Ugh. All right. So, killing me softly. Um, do we have anything else on this? On this one? No. Good song. Top five. What, what, was this, was was it a B for you? The, yeah, this is my three B. Okay, my three B. Good. good. Well, let's go to your your borderline stinker. Oh, it's no woman, no cry. Oh God! Why? Because it's, it's like like a dog begging. A, cheesy it's it's it, it there's that and it's just not very good it really isn't i like i was saying before i i think wyclef tries a little hard and it it just it doesn't it doesn't sound to me very authentic i understand it is because of where he's from but it just it it just sounds too derivative too derivative man i i can't and just of all of all the marley songs to do this is just one of his biggest hits which he didn't even write, um, which I didn't know until this week. But I didn't, I didn't know um, that either. But yeah, I just I thought it was it was cheesy. It was lame. I don't know. I agree. I this is, this is my. I still put this as a B. It's a low B. It is my lowest of the lows because it's yeah. just it's easy, dude. Like you can't fuck this song up, dude. No woman, no cry. It is so catchy. It is so iconic. Like you can't fuck it I up. Don't, even the Marley version, I don't really care. I've never really cared for. I really it's still it. a solid song. It's a great pop song. It's a fantastic pop song. It's fine. I th- I still think it's one of his weaker songs. I mean, he has better songs, but it's still a great song. Eh, okay. All You're right. crazy. Don't be crazy. 
That's fine. But I mean, the, the lyrics fall in line with kind of the overall theme of this, uh, of this record. So I get it lyrically, but I mean, that's a lot of Marley songs is about growing up poor and, you know, political strife and all that kind of stuff. And that's another so. thing too about this record, right? Like being politically charged. That's not just about dissing other people. And the big thing is, is the swearing. We don't, we don't have tracks like little Kim that are just fucking rife <laughs> with, with F bombs and, and all True. these other stuff. So, I mean, I mean, they drop like the N word fairly often, but not nearly as much as, as, as their gangster rap contemporaries. And there's like, there's like hardly any cussing in this. And there's that, there's, there's one song on here too, where Lauren Hill even says, I'm going to say it just so you, all you other fucking idiots understand. And she says like, fuck you or something like that. Which is like one of the few times she cusses on the album. Which is, the, I mean, it's just, it's the complete opposite of any, like you said, of any gangster rap. And it's just, dude, like when she speaks, you fucking listen. And, and Oh, I know, right? And even me. God, like, her, the command I've, in her voice is insane. I've just. I've, every aspect of it. Yeah, every I've, fucking aspect. Every, everything she says, everything she says, every word she speaks, you just, you, you hold on to in a way like Chuck D and, and the, when, when Killer Mike comes in. Yeah. Like, every time she speaks, you just, you just, you listen. And she's not even like aggressive, really overtly it's like a subtle aggression aggression yeah like you're kind of on the edge of your seat listening to her as well like i i wanted to compare it to killer mike because killer mike is very he's a versatile rapper and so is lauren hill she does a lot of different things with her with her her flow with her her rapping on top of the actual singing which obviously my, killer mike doesn't sing but when it comes to the rapping i, I like the, the versatility of the, of the two artists her and um yeah dude she's 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 amazing her rapping reminds me of, of like sitting in class, especially like in college when, when teachers like to bait you, professors, excuse me, God forbid you call them teachers, when professors <laughs> like to bait you with, with, with topics, hot topics, and they would, they'll say something controversial and they'll stare at the class waiting for someone to, to respond because you know they're just going to fucking lay into you with everything they've got. All the, the 17 years they've spent studying this one topic, they're just waiting for somebody. That's what, that's what Lauren Hill sounds like to me. She's just fucking <laughs> waiting for someone to step up to her just so she can annihilate you. <laughs> I, I do want to say, though, I was, I was a little disappointed by the lyrics. I mean, there are a lot of words, for sure, a lot of words on this record. Um, but, you know, I'd say almost half of the record is about taking down other MCs, other rappers, which is fine, but it's just like this, this record is, is known for it's politically charged lyrics and, 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 and all that kind of stuff. But I just, I was expecting more. I really was Ooh, expecting there's, more. There's, there's, a there's little a bit more here. aggressive. There's a lot here. There's a lot no, of there name is. dropping. There's a lot of name dropping, really. The, a lot of name dropping, a lot of references, not only to like the nineties, but just to other things as well. And and that's fine, but that just ends up becoming a word salad. Like it doesn't, it, unless you really understand every reference, it's not going to hit the same way. It really isn't. It's it's great if you know everything, but most people don't. So, like me. So that's, I, that, that's why we're here. Some of this shit fell flat. That's why we're here. That's why we're here, dude. Well, I don't know about that, dude. Um, what's your know. what's your one B? Because I, I have a strict one B. There's one B, oh, and then everything. Else, I have a top five. This song blew me away because I don't remember ever really hearing it, even when I listened to this record. Um, but it's the it's how many mics the second song Ooh. the second song i mean that's top five first baby. of all where, yeah where does it sit for you it, that's top five outside of, 
just top five. Okay. Yeah. So, dude, Lauren Hill's vocals, vocals on her verses, her rapping. I just, I actually went back and listened to the song three times in a row because I just, I was so blown away by her flow because you never hear her breathe. Like, I, I've never heard any rapper this smooth, like this smooth, this consistently. She does it through the whole record, but this song in particular, I just, I could not believe that. I mean, the way she was stringing the words together. And then when you read the lyrics while, while, while you're listening, the way she, she's going from line to line and, and, and stringing it all together. I was just, I was truly blown away by this song. I, I, I think this is just one of the great, one of the greatest hip hop songs ever. How many mics? And then you get, you get to the, to the, to the chorus where they're just saying the way they say many, 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 um, just kind of that, that not only the flow, but the, the melody behind it. It's, it's very subtle and it's a little quirky. It's a little weird. Um, and then, so you have this kind of like aggressive way that, that she's rapping and then underneath it all, which really on the whole record underneath a lot of the songs and this one in particular, there's always like this, this keyboard sample or like a, like a acoustic guitar sample that's really kind of buried in the mix. And it makes a lot of these songs feel very soothing and kind of pleasant on when it's tucked below the more aggressive kind of vocals or commanding vocals, I guess, would be the, the better way to describe Lauren Hill's voice. But um, I don't know, man. Her, I mean, I just, I, I just, I have nothing but great things to say about the song and her, her, ver, her verse on this one. Okay. It's incredible. It's truly fucking incredible. Yeah, this, this song is a beyond banger for this album, for sure. Um, Pross is my favorite on this one, oddly. Okay. Which I is think, another thing I really want to talk about, Pross. So I guess... Sometimes he just sounds too much like like Method Man. Sometimes he just sounds too much. I'm just like, ah, oh, okay. You just got like the Wu Tang thing going on here with the aggressive, like, oh, you just gutter all your voices. Okay, whatever. <laughs> but damn, dude, his verse drops hard in this one, and it's got like a very unique flow to it compared to Wyclef and Lauren's previous ones. Um, mm-hmm. But dude, the beat in this one, and I kept telling you to listen to this fucking record. I didn't know this was gonna happen, but I, I gave you this one for free, and I kept telling you to listen to this record. But that that Ramsey Lewis album, that Funky Serenity, I still have it, but I haven't listened to it yet, dude. Like <laughs> half of the samples from this album are taken from that record. No shit. So I didn't know that until this week, but I know that that record is is sampled by so many people, including Tribe, Farside. A lot of people like reference that specific album. I didn't know so much of it, but like the the Horn of Woodwind thing going throughout this this album or this song. And a lot of yeah. this beat is taken from Funky Serenity. So like that sample is, if you huh. like this song, then that's from Funky Serenity. And that, that album's only like six songs. It's about like 10 minutes, but it's a great album. Listen, <laughs> fucking listen to it, okay? God damn okay. it. Okay, all right. I was hoping you'd bring it to the pod this week and be like, I can't fucking believe how many, but you didn't. That's fine, though. <laughs> I did not, no. <laughs> but this is uh, like how many mics? I mean, this is like their, their, their braggadocious track, right? This is them talking yeah. about how great they are in different ways. The but first time they talk about it on the record. But it's, I, I don't know, I, I like the way each verse is unique and, and what they are talking about. It's not all just like direct winking. It's cool. Yeah, I I agree. Um, but I, I after this song, I was kind of over them bragging about how great they are. I mean, it can only, it could only be done so many times. Much like you could talk, like in pop punk, you could only talk about a breakup or a, a crush so many times before it gets really old really <laughs> fast. 
So, because there's like no substance to it, <laughs> there really isn't. It's just they're they're more like just diss tracks and ugh, it's, it's stale. It's it's really about like like what you can do with how you're doing it. And like Lauren has some cool lines. The, the whole me without a mic is like a beat without a snare. I thought that was cool. Mm-hmm. That was yeah. fun. And like it, it's all hype, and that's fine. Um, Praz, his the way his delivery was my favorite part. His verse is just rife with pop culture references, whatever. But Wyclef, dude, Wyclef Wyc- had a lot of yeah. history in his fucking verse. His was verse awesome. was so good. And I was I, was, I liked this a lot. I just like dove deep into it and was like looking up all this stuff about it, and it, it was fun. It was cool. Yeah, so I didn't I didn't take like a huge dive into into his verse like or like you know some of the stuff, but the the whole I think it was like the Harlem riots of like nineteen ninety one or something like that. Yeah, the crown the 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 crown or the crown heights the crown heights riots. Crown heights right? Yeah, I yeah. never ever heard of that, but it was never like this fight this fight between the Jewish community and the African American community, and and there was like this looting riots for days, and there was this big fucking thing. And I, yeah, honestly, dude, I never fucking heard of this. It's wild. But he makes like several references to, to uh, you know, Judaism with the Mazel Tov thing. And, you know, well, the, the line is run through Crown Heights screaming out Mazel Tov. And I'm like, what, what the fuck does that mean? So I looked at the little genius annotation. Then I saw what it was. And I'm like, oh, okay. So then I looked it up a little bit. But dude, the riots were like gnarly. It, it, like it started because there was an accident in the middle of the intersection and yeah, it killed a little kid. But like the Jewish community i guess had private ambulances and so it was mm. it was like the, a, a jewish guy ran over like a black kid or something and the jewish guy was put into a private ambulance whereas like the the, the whoever whatever city was a jersey ambulance didn't get there until three four minutes later which is already way too late and i guess just like the have and have nots the proletarian the bourgeoisie thing took over and it just it culminated into like a three-day insane riot and it even got yeah. to like, even got to like fucking Rodney King status to where there was a, a Sicilian guy who just had a long white beard that was driving through Crown Heights. And just because he kind of looked, he had like that Jewish look to him because of the big mm-hmm. long white beard, he was pulled from his car, beaten to death. And it was just, it was absolutely horrible. And it was just, so tensions terrible. were super high. And, and so uh, Wyclef saying that he's going to run through Crown Heights yelling Mazel Tov. But then later on, he says that, that he's, before he's black, he's human, which means like his intentions is to unite all people, which is kind of cool. And that kind of like is, yeah. it kind of like goes back to when he's going to roll through Crown Heights yelling Mazel Tov. You know, you hear like Mazel Tov, you would think that the black community's going to look out and be like, who is this? And like, oh, it's a black guy yelling that. What the fuck? And vice versa, like the Jewish community's going to look out and be like, oh, that's a black guy yelling Mazel Tov, bridging the gaps, trying to do something in the height of the gangster rap era. Yeah, silly, Calling but for it's peace. fucking dope, dude. It's so yeah. cool. <laughs> Love it. I absolutely love it. And uh, actually like throwing it back to uh to Bob Marley a little bit. Um I I didn't know this but uh Lauren Hill was was in a relationship with Bob Marley's son, one of his sons. They had like five kids together. Yeah, fuck ton of They were together for like 15 years and yeah. they had five kids. I, I had no idea that she was had any sort of relation with the Marley family. But yeah, I I don't know. That's a I thought that was an interesting little tidbit. There's, uh, there's there's another Bob Marley thing coming up later too with the Buffalo Soldiers thing that blew my mind. That was cool. Um, but there's another there's another name that Wycliffe dropped that was I was interested in Frederick Douglass. Did you look at this guy at all, Frederick Douglass? I for, you know I meant to, but and I know I've heard the name a million times, and I'm gonna feel really stupid. I mean, yeah, I, I don't. Maybe it sounds like Michael Douglass or something. But Frederick Douglass was a former slave 
that eventually became a very prominent figure in the political community. And he was an mm-hmm. ambassador for Haiti and was also one of the first males to fully support like women's suffrage in the mid-1800s. He was actually oh, okay. the only black guy to show up to the first women's rights convention that was held in New York in the mid-1800s. Really? And he, he was also a leading, a leading abolitionist in the Civil War. So this guy went from slave to like fighting the slave owners and like leading his own group of soldiers in the Civil War. That's so sick. And That's he wrote so this fucking sick. He wrote this open letter to his former slave owner, which which mm. is uh which is so fucking cool. I read it and it was so rad because it goes from him being like calm and collected and intellectual to him kind of like reverting back to I don't want to say like a like a dumbed down style of writing, but like clearly a more confrontational non-intellectual way of writing and then like giving his points and everything but then going back into like it's like kind of like showing that hey i'm smart i used to be not that smart because you wouldn't let me be smart but here i am again smart and i'm making a better world and like the very end of it says that if you ever want to come by like i'll open my house to you you can stay with me i'll feed you and i will never treat you the way you treated me it was just it was an amazing letter it was so cool and to see like the i don't know that, that kind of reference that wyclef is throwing out in an era of the height of the gangster rap. So like all these songs I really, I really took with like, don't forget this is the height of the gangster rap era. This is the height of the gangster rap era. If you were not gangster rap, if you were not with us, you were against us. If you're not East coast, you're West coast. And I thought that was cool. I like that. I agree with you on that. So let's, um, let's play a little bit of, uh, of too many mics or how many, not too many mics, how many mics? Jesus. And then uh, we'll wrap this song up and then move on to the next. So here it is. How many mics from Fuji's? God, and listening to it again, her her flow is so good. Like even you can't hear her breathe because she's still talking when she's breathing in. Like it's <laughs> she it's can do whatever she wants. Man. She like literally just she's does a, whatever she wants. God, she's so she's so amazing. She's fucking so good, man. And that opening line that she says, like they're already pissed off. Like the Fujis are already upset that that like like why are you all you all in the gangster rap community? Like why are you so focused on trying to be something for the wrong reason? Like why do you want to be famous just to be an asshole? Yeah. Like that's that's kind of like the overall concept of the score was was they're mad at the beef. They're mad at the East Coast versus West Coast. They're mad at the the minorities killing each other when the people in power are the ones that you should be fucking worried about. And that's, that's still like, like something that rings true, like to this day, like why fight each other when the, when the, when the haves are still oppressing everybody. Oh, that's a whole nother fucking rabbit hole that I don't want to go down. Dude, even this, like the <laughs> cover of the, the album too, like Lauren's in the middle and then you got Praz and Wyclef on the sides and just, Oh, it's so good. Kind of yep. in the darkness. And I love that album cover. It's, it's so, so cool. It's yeah, so it, good. It's so great in its simplicity. And there's like a lot I, of there's a lot it. of uh there's a, I don't want there's a lot of a lot of people that are upset when when black people are portrayed in movies and you can't see their face cuz the lighting's just not not conducive to their skin tone. Mm. And so there's a, like w- like when you see uh like uh, Jordan Peele's movies where where like everybody's clear as day. And it's like it's not that hard just to put an extra fucking light where the light needs to be. And like it's cool that the score Right with the very very dark black backdrop, but their faces are still vibrant. You can see all of like they don't really have any wrinkles because they're young. Lauren Hill's gorgeous, but you can see all yeah. of the the crevices in their faces, and you can see everything. It's like it's not that hard. You know, I didn't realize until this week, but the um, 
how the cover is also a play on the godfather like with right yeah yeah or am i crazy like i I think even the font yeah the font and everything and and just how simple the the cover is because the godfather the whole thing is very just simple looking i think there's even like posters or some sort of promo promo out there where you know it's michael corleone and Right? Isn't I, and where I, am I crazy? I think the font the Godfather itself, something in the font the Godfather, there's a there's a long line like the Fuji's. The F on the Fuji's and the line goes all the way across. Yeah. I think in the Godfather there's something. Maybe even the F in the Godfather it goes all or the maybe, way across. Maybe I'm thinking the Sopranos? No. Or am I thinking God the Godfather? No, you definitely think the Godfather. Okay. Well yeah, because Sopranos came out after this, but I don't know. Whatever. So good. I still, regardless, I think that I think the cover is is really really cool because of the simplicity of it all. But uh, how many mics um, lyrically? Yeah, I mean this is this is more of just like a diss track, and and you know we haven't really talked too much about Praz, and rightfully so. I mean, there's no reason for him, honestly. He's he's the black sheep of the group for sure. He is. He, he had the and, most to do with the production, though, besides the actual producers. He was already producing stuff. He was already producing music. And he was kind of the guy that got everybody together. He was like the mediator, especially between Laura Hill and Wyclef at this time. So there was mm-hmm. a reason that he was there. But he's he's definitely the weakest member. He is. I mean, and I don't know if you noticed, but every he's the last verse on every song. He never He never leads, and he's always the last. But and when you kind of look at it too, outside of the few songs where you know "Killing Me Softly" is is just Lauren Hill, uh, "No Woman No Cry" is just uh, Wyclef, but any other song where it's the three of them, it's always it's generally it's it's Wyclef, Lauren, and then Praz. Praz is always last, but most of the time it's Wyclef and then Lauren, which yeah. I thought was really interesting. And I, but, and I think that's just because he's having he's he's putting in more emphasis on. I'm like helping produce this album. I'm being like the executive producer and, and making sure that Lauren is in the front because obviously that's the biggest part of this group is Lauren, her voice, her personality, her larger than life persona. Like that's what makes the Fugees. You can survive yeah. without Praz and you can survive without Wyclef, but you're not going to survive without Lauren Hill. No, you're right. It would be, it wouldn't even be Fugees. It would sound, yeah, she's, she's so important to this group. But everything that I read seemed like Praz was like the 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 guy that really made everybody work, like 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 okay. like him yeah. and Wyclef really got into the production aspect of it, and I think like Wyclef really dove into it on a on a on a semantic based base because he really wanted to learn how to do things and that's what spurred his solo album. But Praz was the one that was already producing albums, like I, like I mentioned with the with with the Red Man, he was already doing things, so he was kind of teaching. With, with, with the red man's, the red men. So he's, he's kind of teaching man. Wyclef what to do. And, and I don't know. There's a need for Praz, but he's he's the weakest member for sure. <clears throat> yeah. I, I don't know if you felt this way too. When when I was reading through the lyrics, because there's a lot of words. A lot of words. Um, and they every song, you know, if it's a song just about, you know, destroying all the other MCs out there, you know, by the time you get to Praz's verse, I just feel like I'm just exhausted about reading it because at that point I've read two verses that are virtually identical to one another with Wycliffe and, and Lauren's verse. And then you get to pros and you're just not adding anything more. Like if you're going to do the last ver the third verse, the last verse, just wrap it up with something unique, wrap it up with like, I don't know, man. I just, I thought 
you know, musically, vocally, lyrically, there's just, he's so unnecessary. But I mean, I do understand from a production standpoint, he was important, but outside of that, man, every aspect of pros on this record is completely unnecessary. And that's Every that's really with like the conscious hip hop thing, like the conscious hip hop, the, the whole native tongues and and spurring the conscious hip hop genre was just to input a lot of I don't want to say literature, but like a lot of higher concepts, a lot of things that yeah. you would need to like. What did he just say? What is that? I don't know what that is. Let me go to my fucking library and look at a book <laughs> to see what the fuck that is. <laughs> But like, but but the difference between this between the Fuji's and other con- more of the underground hip or uh, conscious hip hop was that you know I felt like not to say that the people in or the three in the Fuji's are dumb by any means because they're not but I feel like they don't they're not like good I'm not wordsmiths what am I trying to say here they're not they don't have they're not as deep this sounds so bad but they're not as deep intellectually as other conscious hip hop. You get, you know what I mean? Like, like their lyrics aren't, like I said, the lyrics aren't as deep as I was, I was expecting them to be because after I hearing they're... other conscious hip hop, like tribe or hearing Jedi mind tricks or Wu, even Wu-Tang, you know, outside of the stupid skits. Well, Wu-Tang, I mean, I wouldn't say like Wu-Tang's so like tribe for they're sure. Kind of... Tribe is dealing with things in, but the, the, but like the biggest difference with tribe in the Fuji's Fuji's are relying on name dropping and then building verses and stanzas and lines around that name to yeah. to make sense, to go along with a theme. Whereas if you listen to like De La Soul, or even like the far side, the far side is kind of like conscious because they're doing with things that are not in the, in the, in the gangster rap category in the early nineties and they're building songs around concepts. So if, if, if like De La Soul is talking about like, like, like rape or, or something like that, they don't just say that word. They build around it and tell a story that's around one concept, one one word that we all know what it is, but they're telling a story that that paints that picture in our mind. Whereas the Fujis are straight up saying that one word. They're straight up saying this is this is what it is, and then the next line there's another concept, another concept. So all of these names are building to the bigger overall concept, but okay. there's no there's no like there's no flow between the two between all the concepts. The, the, I feel like there's, there's a no lot connection of name between dropping. all the concepts. Yeah. There's no, there's no connection. It's just name dropping for the sake of name dropping. I feel. I mean, it all goes along the same lines of what they're trying to convey, what the overall message is. But it's, it is but bad songwriting. But if you're, yes, it's not great but if songwriting. You're not, if you're not explaining the references, because a lot of them are, I mean, at least nowadays, you know, twenty five years later, a lot of these references are obscure, because a lot of them are topical, and and you know, if you're not referencing that. It's just gonna fly over, everybody, over everybody's head, and I just, it's yeah, it's poor songwriting. Well, I, so like going aspects. going back to 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 three MCs and one DJ. Nah, how many mics? Going back to that <laughs> one where Wyclef talks about how he's human first and black second, and then he's going through Crown Heights yelling uh, uh, Mazel Tov. Like these are all mm-hmm. going on on the same lines of what the concept he is trying to convey. The concept is unity, right? That's that's the overall yeah, thing. But that's one of the very few moments. It happens a, a lot, lot of, in this record. It happens a lot in this record. But, but what, I'm, what I'm trying to say, what I'm trying to say, hold on there, dude. Hold on there, brother. Whoa. What I'm trying to say is that we're, we're <laughs> groups like Tribe and De La Soul and Jungle Brothers, they can, they can promote unity in a track without ever saying that word, without ever name dropping. 
and they can just do it because they're just fucking wordsmiths. They're they're just really, really good at writing lyrics. The Fujis are not mm-hmm. really, really good at writing lyrics. So they have to name drop all of these things and they have to give you hard examples like rolling through Crown Heights, screen of Mazel Tov. Like that's in your face unity promoting that. Yeah. But the problem with, with the Fujis is, and that's why I say they're if this came out two years before or two years after, it would not be as good. The problem with the Fujis is they're not great at, at at writing music. They're not great wordsmiths. They're just they're just not. They just are a product of their time. Mm-hmm. And they are just ex- exponentially lucky because you just the fucking difference between the first album and this album. Oh, it's it's leaps it's leaps and bounds different. Like I was I was shocked by their first record and how just kind of how zoned out I got with that one. And it was pretty Not good to record it was, too. Like I was it's it good. Was, I was pretty impressed no, with it. It was good, but then I, I you know I listened to the score first, and then I went back and listened to that first record, and I and I I forgot a lot a lot about it. It just yeah. The score is just so much fucking better. This, this album is great, and, and I'm not wrapping it up. I'm just giving a little teaser. But this <laughs> album is great, but it's very much of its time. It's, it's Yeah. Very much of its time, but with Lauren Hill. You know? Yeah. Like, if, if Lauren Hill wasn't here, this would be any run-of-the-mill conscious hip-hop from the mid-'90s. It really would have. This is, this much, is like, like, much like Black Eyed Peas. Like, Black Eyed Peas are good without Fergie. They are really good without Fergie. But when you throw her into the mix... It's a completely different monster. They're still really good and with Fergie, though. That, that's what I'm saying. I'm yeah. not saying it's necessarily bad. Yeah, but it's, yeah, just, it's, it's a, a completely different, totally thing. different dynamic. Absolutely. Yeah. But yeah. Anyway, these guys know. are not they're wordsmiths. Like, they they rely on name dropping and then just connecting different names to those name uh-huh. drops. And then there's no there's no like weaving in and out of verses. There's no there's no top shelf fucking rhyming patterns. There's nothing like that. It's just they're good. Like they're really, really fucking good. They're not great though. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Agreed. All right, so let's move on from it's how many mics. Be, dude. What? I mean, yeah, what is my one B yet? Zealots or zealots? Zealots. Really? Zealots is it's okay. my one B, baby. Ze- oh, zealots is my six B. Okay, that's all right. Yeah. Well, let's get into it. What, what do you got on this one? So for one, uh, that flamingos beat that thing, dude, so <laughs> yeah. rad. And and that's a song that like I think they played it in a Bronx Tale, and I'm still I'm still searching for that one on the vinyls. I've just mm-hmm. see the past like ever since I worked at this bar, I've just been in this weird '50s boardwalk mood. And every morning that I open, I always put the '50s boardwalk soundtrack on. It's just on Spotify. I, I just '50s all out '50s, and it's just it's this time capsule of music. I mean, this is just a fucking beat alone in zealots too. Like the fifties music is just like this time capsule. And, yeah. and I mean, the more you read into the fifties, it wasn't that great of a time, but like for me, <laughs> the, the emotion that it evokes is just this time capsule of safeness. It just feels safe because it's so far beyond my time that it's like oldies, but it's like oldies, oldies. It's like my mom listening to oldies. Yeah. We're like sixties. I'm still, old enough to kind of understand the atrocities in the 60s and 70s and my mom talked my my parents talked about our parents talked about the atrocities and i'm building a bomb that's right i'm building a bomb (laughs) (laughs) of like the 70s (laughs) but like the 50s just seemed to be you know you watch like stand by me and you watch the fucking sandline Uh, these are just these are movies that like america did no wrong and so when you hear 50s era music that's kind of like the emotion that it evokes it's just calm it's mm-hmm. like okay everything is going to be okay no matter what you know american pie and fucking hot dogs that's 
what we're doing. Oh, and I'd that's just—I love fucking hot dogs. That's just—I had a hot dog today, actually, and a burger. <laughs> that's that's just oh, right man. off the bat. The flamingos. I don't even know if that flamingo song was from the fucking fifties. To be honest, it sounds like it's from I the fifties. I, I didn't. I didn't recognize the song, but I mean, I just thought you know it has that fifties sixties style to it. I mean, I think I think it, this yeah, kind of that kind of sample it, it's interchangeable. Yeah, it's doo wop, which was being done in both eras, but. Um, yeah, so yeah, that was, I, that was, that that was, was late fifties at that flamingo song, and the only reason why I really, really know that it's the flamingos and I know the song name, I only have eyes for you, is because friend of the pod Justin one time when we were talking, he had mentioned in some in some capacity we were talking about the penguins and all these other era of of doo wop. He's like, what with the flamingos? And then we were, I was like, what the flamingos? I don't know the flamingos. He's like, yeah, you do. I said, no, I don't. I think we were going to see Star Wars or something at at, at Cinema City or Galaxy Thirteen. Oh, this is a long time ago. Yeah, and and this I was like, I, don't, yeah. I was like, I don't, I don't know the song, dude. He's like, yeah, you do. And then I was like, sing it. He's like, and all he did was, <laughs> like that's all he did was just that noise. Like, oh, I know that song. That's a fucking fantastic song. I can imagine him doing it too. And then, <laughs> just like a little smirk on his face. I just, I will never forget that. It's a great, great song too. But that's why uh, I don't know. So like, like Zealots just off the bat. That that beat fucking rad. <clears throat> And like Wycliffe yeah. singing, dude. Wycliffe singing is pretty cool. It's good enough to get by, but it's also bad to just show that he's focused more on like the content rather than the delivery. Mm-hmm. Even though obviously yeah. the content is not that great, but it shows that he's more focused on content than delivery because he's not a great singer, but he's still doing it. And just like Kid Cudi, dude, like Kid Cudi's not a good singer. And when he sings, it kind of sounds like shit, but it goes along <laughs> with like the concept of his albums and it's great. True. True. Also, you know, he kind of Wycliffe kind of turns on the reggae style a little bit with his vocals, and it's 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 enough there to not be annoying. Um, it's it it's the right amount. I just say it's the right amount to make this make it sound pretty rad. I really like that. But also, let's talk about that drum loop and that bass line. Dude, that shit drops fucking hard. Yeah, so good. That's that is fucking great. I mean, this is one of the the better drum loop baseline combinations on the whole record. It comes in pretty fucking hard. And then, oh my god, dude, Lauren Hill. I mean, she's it's her part. Her verse is so great. It's the perfect amount of intensity and melody. She's perfect. She's amazing. I mean, and just stupid little things where. There's a part in her in the verse, I think it's the verse or whatever it is, but she sings the word down and then she drops her voice down when she says down. <laughs> and then she it just and then she she brings it back up to that to the normal whatever not range, but whatever it is. But it's just it's done so so subtly and so smoothly that it's just it's such a great touch to to that to her part, but it's not something that is going to it's not something that's jarring that takes you out of the song, if that makes sense. Yeah, there's dude, there's she's so much so like nuance good. to her verses all over this album. Oh my god, dude. it's it's insane. It's fucking insane. And this is the, the mo- I think the most important line on this entire album is from this song, from her verse, and that was what I alluded to earlier. And her 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 line says, "And even after all my logic and my theory, I had a motherfucker, so all you ignorant ninjas hear me," and that's. That is like her way of saying that even though most of you fuckers out there that I don't agree with are not going to listen to anything that I say because I don't I don't swear, here it is. And then she drops motherfucker. And damn, she sounds... 
Dude, she sounds good when she cusses. Like, you sound so good. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> because she doesn't do it a lot, you know? Like, you could hear Easy e drop a bunch of F-bombs and, you it's know. There's nothing. N-words around, and it's Ugh, just like, okay. Goosebumps. This is, this is normal. You know, this is normal. This is baseline. But, yeah, with yeah with Lauren Hill, man, it's just like, oh, shit. Like, you you really pay attention. You you listen to her. Like, God, I just it's incredible how... Com- I dude, her voice is just one of the most commanding voices in hip hop. Without like, without a doubt, her Killer Mike, Ice Cube. I mean, those are really the the big three most commanding voices in hip hop. I would have to say. I I mean yeah I I would I would I would adjust my top five MCs of all time to probably include Lauryn Hill just because yeah one hundred percent. I I I listen I listen when she I, speaks. I think I mean after after this week she's in my top three favorite rappers of all time this would be a good little quickie remember we talked about doing quickies earlier this would be a good quickie top five mcs all time oh yeah that's true that that would be good but dude she's definitely in my top three now like killer i don't know i don't know if anybody could be above killer mike oh but, yeah i mean chuck he's d. just so chuck d is his greatest of all time oh yeah dude yeah another com- great commanding voice god damn even and like, i don't even like ice cube that much like i don't like his music that much but Man, when, when when when, when he, he raps, speaks, dude, he shut the fuck up, dude. Oh like, my god! Or listen. like you know the the corn song on "Follow the Leader," the children of the corn, dude. That song's stupid. That song's really fucking dumb. But when Ice Cube comes in on that, wow, dude, that, it changes the dynamic of that corn song so much. Like, there's something about his voice that is it's crazy good. Some people just have have voices that just just I don't know, man. Just like act like Barack Obama had a voice that I thought. I was like, damn, yeah. it was very soothing. You have a very soothing, commanding voice. I like it. I, I think with Obama, he paused a lot. You know, like he would say he would say one sentence and then there'd be a <laughs> like long pause. Like the nine nine, like you're pouring the water out. Exactly. Authority pause. Oh, I like it. <laughs> it's I like, like it. it's like even when you even it's funny, like even when you listen to Obama do a speech where he, it's written out and he's reading off a teleprompter, he adds a lot of the the, the pregnant pauses, as as some people call it. <laughs> but then when you watch him do off the cuff, when he answers questions off the cuff, the pauses are like three, four times longer. Like he has because nowhere to he, be ever, and it's also I think I feel like he he's so calculated with what he says because he's so I think Obama is so afraid of saying the wrong thing and ruffling feathers that he takes so much time to think about how he's going to answer something and he does it sentence by sentence to the point where it's it's sometimes difficult to hear him do a like make a speech because there's too many pauses. Which, but he's general, still a great speaker, though he is still in, a great speaker. In but, general, I, I I like I like the idea of people thinking before they speak because far too often you ask somebody a question and they go huh and if they just took one fucking second two seconds to process what you said they know what you said but it's easier for them to not pay attention the first time and then make you repeat yourself by by using the word huh than just to process it for two seconds and then respond like it's okay to take a second to think True. process yeah. respond. I fucking damn, I can't stand people say huh and then answer your question anyway. <laughs> that's oh that's oh, oh. that you should know, be number one know, on the no no list. I was I was not actually weird that you even bring up you know Obama, but I just want to want to talk about this real quick. Like presidents who doing speech like getting up and and making speeches or whatever doing speeches. When you when you I recently saw Bill Clinton do a speech back in the nineties 
dude, that guy, yeah, oh, he could yeah. fucking give a speech. Oh, and going yeah. back even a little bit further to Reagan, dude, Ra- I mean, I know Reagan, he was an actor, but my God, dude, that guy could give a fucking speech. Reagan and Clinton were something special when it came to, to that. Like, it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty insane. It's, it's, it's kind of like sad, like in our generation, our era, because we've only been able to vote since we were 18. And so we've only really had right a handful of presidents. So, so, like, Obama's been the only president that we've had that actually you could look up to as a great public speaker. Yeah. Cause, yeah, because Bush, Bush Jr. was so trash. terrible. So terrible. Yeah. Trump, Trump was terrible. So terrible. Biden's so fucking Biden's terrible. Worse. I, I think Biden is, like, in, Biden, in, as, as an adult, could be Biden's bottom the five worst. of all time. Oh yeah, dude, it, it's it's incredibly bad. Like at least with Bush, Bush Jr., like you can make fun of him, and you know, because he was just, dude, he was just a jolly idiot. That's yeah. what he is. You know, he that's he was how he's kind of nervous still and fumbled yeah. his words. Biden just looks like you. Like, what did you fucking just say? Because <laughs> he doesn't know what. I don't think he knows what he's saying. I mean, we're getting a little political here, but a little political here. It, it, we're talking about the Fuges, baby. It's all online. Yeah, it's what we the do, Fuges. baby. The Fuge. Call them the Fuges. The Fuges. Call him food. Fuji's just as easy to say. <laughs> I, I like how the sample in Zealots isn't abused, yeah. right? Like there are times the sample quiets mm-hmm. down, just let the song breathe a bit, and then that's when you really hear like the bass line, the beat. But there's also time like the beat drops off, and then all you get is the isolated sample underneath like one of their verses. And so I yeah, like I like that there's still there's still nuance to the sample, and they're not just using samples for the sake of using samples. That was another thing that that I was really surprised by that. The samples never took the forefront ever. I mean, the the beat, the 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 drum beat did, but outside of that, everything was pretty buried in the mix. Even the bass, most of the time, the the little bass lines, which you know sometimes you know there were some great bass lines that were really 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 buried in the mix. But it's fine because I mean, when you have Lauren Hill, you know, in the forefront, you don't you don't want anything to you know get in the way of her voice. Dude, Lauren Hill like so like quoting fucking MLK in his speech, and it's just like, damn mm-hmm. man, you are. Whew, you're she's, pretty, she's, pretty, pretty good. She's amazing. Like pretty, pretty good. Yeah, dude, she's she's unreal, man. So, but I like I like Wyclef's fucking for uh, verse two though. You know, a lot of cool little little things in there that I, I like to look up and 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 reading about was fun. Yeah, I mean, there's a, there was just so much, and I was a little overwhelmed by some of this. Um, but I don't know. Cause, just cause the, the reference, I didn't get a lot of the references because they were, they just, they were way before my time. I mean, like, so like he, he mentioned this, this, this story, uh, from, from ancient, like Greece or Rome. I don't know what it was. One of the two, uh, which was this peasant or this messenger was talking to this king Demaculis and he's like, Oh dude, you fucking, you're so dope that you're king. That'd be awesome. And the king's like, all right, you want to do it for a day? Come do it. And like this, this, this messenger was showered with gifts and everything, but like Demaculis hung a sword above the throne by a thread and saying at all times, because of the enemies that I made, this sword at any moment could break and then like just end your life. And the, and the messenger was like, I don't fucking like this. This is too stressful. I don't want to do this. So that was kind of fun. But it was the same thing that Kanye used during the My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy era. There was a lot of that imagery. And there was a fucking huge ass like poster that Kanye was like like Jesus Last Supper status in the middle of the poster and hanging above him was the sword of Demaculis. And that was so fucking cool. And I didn't know I mean, obviously it's just an old story that Kanye took from, but 
that's cool that it was I don't know name dropped here and it's, it's been name dropped yeah. quite a few times in in various songs and things like that. But yeah, like Kanye, that whole era. And remember the whole um, during that that the artwork too, where Kanye's head's on its side with the crown on his head, and there's a sword sticking out of it from the ground through his Wait, head. What from artwork the, was this? My beautiful dark twisted fantasy era. All that cartoon artwork. Oh, oh, I don't remember a lot of that artwork. Damn, dude. I know what you're talking about, but I don't remember a lot of it. And that's just that's just a very. I mean, that's it's that's a way to brag. That's a way to brag, saying I can handle the the crown. I can handle the sword above my head. I'm better than everybody. Whatever. But then he tells people that Wyclef says people's raps are are cacophonic. I was like, what the fuck does that mean? So I looked that up, and cacophonic just means like shit sounds unpleasant. It's contrasted okay. with, with euphonic, and in poetry, both can be effective. So, like, cacophonic is unpleasant. Words like like moist or, or scab or knuckle, like, things just sound kind of gross, you know? <laughs> but then, like, contrasted with, with euphonic words, like daisy and flower, like, those, those words mm-hmm. just sound nicer. But, like, both can be used effectively. You can use, like, cacophonic phrasings and words to get your point across, to drive the point home. And Wycliffe kind of does it in the in the verse, not not quite as great as somebody like Killer Mike would do, or or anybody else that's a really really good lyricist. Yeah, but I like I, I like where his head's at. I like where his. But head's mind at. you, this was twenty five years ago. This wasn't that is true. RTJ four two years ago. But like Tribe could have so. done it better. De La Soul could have done it better. Jungle yeah, Bros. No, anybody yeah, from the yeah, Native yeah, Tongues could have done it better. But I like where his head's at. I do too. I I, I feel like the the um the feelings there. The yeah, the feelings there, but quite. they don't know how. Yeah, exactly, exactly. They don't know how to execute it right. This is good. This is good stuff. Good. So let, let's play. Let's play a little bit of Zealots, um, and then we'll we'll move on to the to the our, ne- our next banger. So here it is, Zealots from the Fuges. So do you have anything else on this one, or what do you want? Do you want to move on? What do you think? Move on. That's it. That's all. All right. So that was your that was your one B, right? Yeah, that's my one B. Hot damn. Hot damn. <laughs> That's wild. So, uh, yeah, my 2B then is Ready or Not. Ready or not? not. Here I come. <laughs> That's, top. That's top five for sure. Easy. Dude, it's so fucking Easy. good, dude. Uh, her her voice. Her voice is just so so beautiful, so pretty. This song is just pretty. This is... Um, <sighs> did you listen to the original Delphonics version too? I didn't know. I, I meant to, but Dude, I, I just didn't. like night and day, like like the way the way they took that that ready or not song, and kind of turned it from another like fifties era, light hearted, innocent into like this weird like cryptic eerie, fucking thing. And and her voice, her voice makes me like uneasy. It makes me nervous. It makes me, but it's it like, like I did something wrong. But it's hypnotic, right? Yeah, like you can't, you can't, you you can only focus on her. Like I don't know, man. When when I when I listened to this record multiple times this week, I just I was hyper focused on how she was enunciating her words, and I don't know. I I've never really, I I've never focused that much on anybody's vocals before. Like I I could feel I could just hear all. I don't even know. I can't even explain it. Because there's so many I was facets just so to her voice, her voice. Like, there's a little bit of rasp there. It's very authoritative because it's kind of aggressive. But she's also leaning into, like, this this era of, of 90s kind of, like, pop star. Like, female pop star. Yeah. Like, she's still trying to sing and be pleasant and be Spice Girls-esque. But also kind of, like, 
like kind of be like a I don't know. I don't know. Be like authoritative, <laughs> I guess is like the best comparison. I know. It's so hard to de- I feel like it's so hard to describe her I, I the can't way think of anybody her else voice that, makes me feel. That sings the way she sings and then also raps no. the way she raps. Like I there are other singers that make me feel like this. I just I'm just so impressed. I I'm I'm so taken aback and Regina Spector on Begin to Hope is one of those instances like it's just something so unique and something so beautiful and and great. And that's how I feel about Lauren Hill, but in a, in a different way because I feel like Lauren Hill is a better singer than Regina, but that doesn't matter. It's just they have the their own ways of like hypnotizing me. As weird as that sounds. Yeah. But it's 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 really bizarre. It's I I don't know. This week was very very strange. <laughs> Cuz I mean this this record and her her solo record were just blew my mind. They really did. Especially that solo record. That was that was it really was cool. So good. It is really good. I mean I don't know after after talking more about this record on the podcast, I feel like I like her solo record more. Because all the things that we complained about here, she she doubles down or she makes better on her solo record. Yeah, you're right. And well not only that, but it's just like you don't have the fluff of Wyclef and Praz. Yeah. You know, because like on re- on this song, Ready or Not, I mean, this is straight up a Lauren, Lauren Hill song. Because Wyclef and Praz, you would never know that they were on the song. I mean, there there's nothing about their verses that stand out to me at all or their parts in the verses, you know, because like the first verse is Lauren and Wyclef or the first two verses really are Lauren and Wyclef and then Praz does the third one, which is, you know, whatever. But um, yeah, dude, there, there's nothing that they do that really make gives the song any sort of identity dude like it's her solo Lauren. record too like that she did that shit herself right like like white yeah. first album had it was they had the fuji's reunion on it like lauren hill did mm-hmm. that shit all herself and then like she didn't lean on white she didn't lean on pros they had friends and stuff that they were mutual that rapped on her record but like that was hers that was her fucking own solo record yeah and it's still it's still talked about today as like one of the greatest hip hop albums of all time. Actually, in most like top albums of all, I think Rolling Stone's five hundred list, the old one and the new one, mm-hmm. the Lauren Hill's solo is ranked above the Fugees' score, like as being just really? better and more important. Yeah, I, I I mean I get it, I get it. She's really the best part of this group, like hands down. I can't believe it's just it's taken me this long to realize how great she fucking is. I can't believe how much I'm just. I'm praising her. I, I just, I don't, I mean, dude, any album we've done on this pod, I've never really praised an art, like a single artist this much outside of maybe Regina or when we I first started, when we first started collecting and, and the sound, the sound of music, the sound of vinyl had like that 30% off, but then you had the extra coupon for 20% off. And I told you to buy that Pac great assist. And I told you by Lauren Hill. Yeah. And I told you by, I told you by Bahama, Bahama Madia, all three of those at the same time. I know. They're all fucking I know. great. I blew it. it. That's right. I blew it. But I I mean, I'm definitely going to buy this and um, Miseducation. I'm going to put the other one too. I don't know if it's Bahama Madia or Bahama Dia. I'm going to put that on your your listen to list. It's so good. (laughs) On my homework, my homework list. On your homework list. (laughs) Um, So another thing about this song, I I meant to go listen to this, but I I didn't. But apparently the the beat is kind of built around... um, an Enya song from 1986 called Bodicea. I don't know how to Something pronounce like that. It. Yeah. But I mean, I'm, I'm kind of curious because Enya is like this weird, honestly, I didn't know Enya was making music in the mid eighties, but apparently she was. 
Um, but yeah, it's, just, it's, it's like, it just seems like a weird by, by this time. Yeah. I just, I, I don't know. It just seems like a crazy sample to pull from like a new age artist. It's, it's mostly built around that Delphonic song, Ready or Not. But when you yeah. listen to the Enya song, it's, it's the same. There's like a, like that droning thing. That's just, it's the same fucking thing for Enya. Is that what it is? Okay. Yeah. And I, and I guess she was pretty pissed about it too, that, that they didn't, and this is like the sampling oh, they, thing they is didn't already clear the kind rights? of no, oh, damn. but like this is still early on in in the, in the hip hop realm, so where things are are still I don't know, but this is still like well past the shit show that was Paul's boutique from the Beastie Boys, true, which like you and know then, changed hip hop hip hop sampling forever, and then like like Biz Markie had his album All Samples Cleared. The album's called All Samples Cleared, <laughs> and that was already yeah. like. Like be like two or three years prior to the to the score, so I mean, it was it was no, I don't know, I I don't know why you wouldn't even like reach at least reach out to her. And apparently, like the only reason why Anya didn't fucking sue the fucking shit out of the Fujis, I mean, they didn't settle out of court, so she did get paid. But the only reason she didn't sue them was because she listened to it and was happy that it wasn't gangster rap. Oh, okay, that's pretty. That's so, cool then. So even Anya was fucking tired of the beef. <laughs> Even though she's God. like fucking Scottish or something or Irish or some shit. Oh, that's right, huh? Man, dude, and dude, new age music in general, fucking it's just weird, bad. It's, it's don't just get not, it. I don't, don't know either. why it's so popular. We got we got to do an we got to do an Enya record. We got to do. We a should new do an Enya. Yeah, I know. We've. Ne- I'm know. gonna put it on. I'm gonna put it on the, on the to do list. I wonder how many albums she has. She probably has like fucking twenty albums or something stupid. Yeah, probably. Well, hey, we did fucking Chumbawamba and we did like eighteen of their records. That's true. So yeah. I think we could do we could we could probably get through Enya. But then this is also an instance where we're we're a little we're a little uh, toasty and we're adding things to our to do list. Oh yeah, that we're there we kind go. of regret. <laughs> what did we do like the other day? And I was like, why we need to stop fucking doing this when we're drinking? <laughs> I don't I don't remember, but it, it was, was something, something really, really stupid. stupid. I did not want to do at all. Yeah. Yeah, ready. You know, also like supposedly the group. I mean, not supposedly, but the group is already falling apart during this point, during like the OG recording of the mm. song, and and lore has it that Lauren laid her vocal track down the first time, and during the hook, like started crying, like she was crying after she was done because it was just emotional. It was it was just too much for her to do, so she left, and then there was a break between, and she came back, and they tried to finish the song, and she re-recorded the hook. But they couldn't do better than that first crying track. So what we hear on album to this day is like that raw crying track. So after supposedly after she sings that hook, she starts to break down and cry. Yeah. And given that at face value, like I don't know, that's a cool little nuance. That's that's a cool little backstory. That's very raw. That's emotional. That's 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 it. Like you cannot get more raw than that. That's true. I mean, she was she was really kind of drawing inspiration from Jonathan Davis on that. Yeah, on that for part. sure. That's but, exactly what I was thinking too. Yeah. Fucking guy. And they were like twenty when they started recording <laughs> this shit too. Twenty. No, I know, I know. Inter- intertwined with each other, Wyclef and Lauren, Lauren and Wyclef. Wyclef's so, already married at this point. That's what I was kind of wondering. I, I didn't really dive too deep into that, but were they ever a, a thing like a relate like a, more than just a friendship partnership? Were they actually yeah, like? Together, full, they're no, they're never together, but they're full they with each other for sure. He was married in like the early to mid nineties. He was married before this oh, album came yeah. out for sure. Yeah, I, I saw he was married in like ninety four or something like that. I think he's still married to that lady too. Yeah, I saw that. I was like, fuck, dude, that that's 
That's impressive. That's some like being in the music shit, industry. Dude. That's a long time. Yeah, especially in the music industry. That's like, yeah, that's a long fucking time. But uh, yeah, ready or not, it's a good song. Dude, Lauren's got Lauren name drops Elliot Ness, which was interesting because I mentioned earlier California Love. Like a year or two later, in that song California Love, Pac drops the name Elliot Ness, which I don't know if that was the first time it's happened in the Fugees, but it was interesting because I think Pac took a took took umbrage in one of the Fuji songs that he thought was it was an attack on him. This is back in his paranoid days after he got shot. But they weren't they weren't attacking him in any way. But yeah, mm-hmm. Pac dropped uh something called or made a song called Elliot or California Love that dropped the name Elliot Ness, which I thought was kind of interesting. Yeah. It's crazy how quickly he just kind of I don't want to say he declined, but how Tupac just went into this like paranoid this paranoia. But I mean, I guess it makes sense. You know, you're kind of on top of the world in the music industry. You attempted assassination. <laughs> and you should be de- shut a fuck yeah. ton of times. Yeah. <laughs> it's fucking nuts, dude. I mean, fucking that's just, nuts. dude, like he got shot like like five to seven times. 50 Cent too, dude. 50 Cent got shot a fuck ton of times too and didn't die. Yeah. Damn, dude. Like, I don't, whew. Whew. <laughs> It's fucking whew. nuts, man. All right, uh, let's play. Should we play any more, or should we just kind of move on to other songs? What do you think? Uh, I, I mean, this I, we should probably just finish up with the bigger ones and then call it a day here. Um, I mean, but I, I do for a while, but I mean, I'm enjoying this, so I do want to say that that they, she brings up Buffalo Soldier in this song, or they, they Buffalo Soldier gets brought up the Bob Marley um, song. Yeah, I never knew that Buffalo Soldier was was a nickname given to black soldiers by the Plain Indians during the Civil War. Because their hair looked like uh, it was all like matty, like the buffalo. Oh. What do you call that thing? The mane? I guess. Yeah, I guess you would call it the mane. Yeah. So, like, yeah, the Plain Indians gave nicknames to the black soldiers. They they, they called them buffalo soldiers. Wow, I didn't know that. That's really. That's actually really really interesting. That's super interesting, right? Like, I yeah. never, I don't know. It kind of makes Buffalo Soldier the song kind of cooler. <laughs> it kind of does, right? <laughs> wow. Okay. Dude, history is history is fucking wild, which it's, we've talked about off the pod. But yeah, it it is it is really wild, especially just in America because we've we've yeah. we think we've come so far, and we really have in so many ways. But it's like, man, dude, things things have been so bad for so many people for so many centuries, and we just yeah. don't even ever like acknowledge it in any way. Except yeah, we in just bre- these we little, brush it under the rug. These these little bits and pieces, which are like we don't need to like have a whole fucking course on why everybody's awful all the time. Like oh my god, get over yourselves here. But like yeah. it's 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 fun to talk about. But we shouldn't be learning history like you and I. We shouldn't have to learn history through Fuji songs of our own <laughs> fucking know, right? country. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like God forbid, I don't know the the quadratic formula, which I still kind of think I know the quadratic formula. Like why the fuck do I know the quadratic formula? But I don't know an accurate <laughs> history of like the Civil War. <laughs> I know it's so fucked up so man. annoying uh, but keep trusting your government they uh, they know best right um, Yelzer anyway let's move on to another song and uh, so then what's your 3B because mine was Killing Me Softly the only the only other top 5 I have here I think we talked about all of them but Fuji Law is another top 5 that's my 4 and then my, my 5 is The Mask and then okay. six was zealots. So I mean, we could wrap it up with Fuji Law. Yeah. 
Dude, this is so another song. This is another song that samples Ramsey Lewis from that same fucking album I was telling you. Funky did, Serenity. I, why didn't you say something before we potted so I could have spun it and then because we could have... Because I was hoping and praying. Because <sighs> I even mentioned it like last week or the, a couple weeks ago. I was like, when are you listen to the album? Well, I know, but if it's in direct did. relation to this record, you should have fucking told me. Well, God I, damn it. Well, you dropped you drop the ball. You're this right. Is it, is your my, fault. it is my fault you not listened to an album that I gave you this is your specifically fault. to listen to. That's okay. This is your fault because you knew that I should have been listening to it, but you, you willfully did not tell me to listen to it. This, this we song, know it could have benefited the episode. This song's interesting because it also sounds very, like for me, it's, it's got a very Wu-Tang feel to it. Like it's very Wu-Tang-y. Okay. Got, I don't know. That kind of. Uh, I, so I, I, I didn't, don't even know how to describe it, but that's what I feel. I didn't get Wu Tang on this one. I got Busta Rhymes, because Whoa. when 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 the beat drops really, because it drops super fucking hard, and then Wyclef drops into that verse, and the way the way he's he's rapping with that heavy beat reminds me a ton of Busta Rhymes, and then you have that the sample. Um, it's it. I don't know what it is. I forgot. I guess it's Ram, Ramsey Lewis, right? Yeah. Um, the sample it reminded me of like a like a fifties Disney movie, like um, like Peter Pan or 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 um, like Sleeping Beauty or something like that. Like it has a very kind of springtime kind of big band orchestra feel from um from like an old Disney animated movie. If that makes any fucking sense. Interesting. I like. But it. it's a very it's a very like I mean it's such a small sample so. I mean, I don't know, but it, obviously it's Ramsey Lewis. But I, I got it like Disney, a Disney kind of feel to to that sample, and I feel like that that co- that kind of that happiness of the sample with the heaviness of the beat and the way that Wycliffe drops the verse, it just it's a great it's a great opposite effect. So I, I really I like, liked it a lot. I like that a lot of um, I, I don't know if it's just us, our age group where we grew up, whatever it is. But I, I like that a lot of these beats are, are stemming from things that we perceive as kind of like innocent. Cause even, I mean, I don't yeah. like a lot of those early Disney movies just cause I think they're bad movies, but you do associate <sighs> so those wrong, early man. dude. No, 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 no. Sleeping Beauty is fucking trash. Absolute trash. Dude, sleep, I love sleeping beauty. Cause you're fucking trash. That's fine though. You don't like snow white either. Uh, snow white's fine. I, I snow white's fine. I dig it. But Sleeping Beauty is awful. That was that Cinderella's was ranked, like, great too. When we did when we did uh, when we did our little uh, rankings that we never even got through, our Disney <laughs> rankings. Sleeping Beauty was I think my bottom one, if not like bottom three. Just not. I good. mean, what's not weird good. is you and I watched all of the the Disney animated movies and we ranked them all, but we never talked about them. I know. I why did know we why. never talk about them? I don't know. I think it's we should revisit quite that agree on soon. like which which ones are we are we ranking. And then it's just like it spiraled because there's all these other offshoots, especially in the 90s. And it's just, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. We don't have to go down that, that rabbit hole right now. And because now. We, both, we both agree that Mulan's the greatest anyway. So like what, what's <laughs> no. the point even having the show? <laughs> Mulan, Mulan is like mid-tier Disney. That's, animated Disney. Whoa, whoa, that's, that's so wrong, dude. <laughs> do, do you, know, like where, do you know where I think it really veered off? Was like, should we add the rescuers? The rescuers down under? Yeah. Should we add? I think, that's, I think it was like the mid-80s or the late 80s where we are like oh fuck should we add this to our to our overall rankings of the disney animated stuff and then yeah like you said the 90s you know there were like the sequels like within a couple of years there were the three lion king movies the three aladdin yeah, movies ridiculous yeah it was it was a lot but yeah anyway 
yeah, so I, I don't know. I, I think topic. overall, it's 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 interesting that um, I mean, at least for me, and you said it kind of right here. There's a lot of beats that just evoke like this this perception of like innocence, this childless innocence. And I, I don't know if that's like intentional from the Fujis if they did all this stuff, or if that's just us me being nostalgia and seeing more into this album than maybe there there was. I don't know. I think this. I I, I just thought that was interesting. I mean, when you think about it too, I mean, these they grew up you know, in the 60s and 70s, you know, TV was a thing, but it was, you know, four channels, you, or you watch like Disney movies, you know, if it was Disney. Had a fucking TV, yeah. Yeah. If you had a TV, you know what I mean? It was just like, Disney was very prominent in people's childhoods. Even when you grew up in like more underprivileged areas, um, Disney was still huge. And at the time in the 60s and 70s, you were watching a lot of the older stuff, you know, from the stuff from the 40s and the 50s and Obviously, sixty, but it was you know it was the, your Cinderella's, Sleeping Beauties, all that kind of stuff, Peter Pan. But so I, I could see why they would they would even, uh, you know, want to do samples that sound similar to that because it, it kind of evokes that childhood wonder. I don't know feeling. I feel like that's a very. I mean, I don't mean, I don't mean no. I, I but I really do feel like it's a very like, like white person thing, right? Like. Why would you, I, I don't understand. I mean, I've only grown up either Mexican household or like a white household, but why are you watching Sleeping Beauty, Snow White when you can't identify with any of these people? That's so true. how, yeah. how are the Fujis reaching out to me specifically? Like that's fucking bizarre. That, we, that's true too, because different yeah, decades, I'm, different age groups, different likes, different fucking geographical areas in the United States, different cultures entirely. How, how like, is it that, that I'm being directly affected by what they are with i mean i guess now because we're older it's different maybe uh, it's bizarre i don't know, I don't know. It, it's fucking bizarre i think it's super interesting i i think that comes from what i'm hoping is just really really good decision making on picking samples on picking things that are going to be for everybody and this ramsey lewis thing man like funky serenity that album is very very funk based but it's very much like like Irby Hancock meets like funk, but then like a lot of keyboards, and that's something that I would never have listened to prior to like record collecting. I just I would never would have dove into that. Just never would have. I don't know why I've thought you know this Ramsey Lewis record that I have. Um, why I keep thinking it's like this this like blues rock thing. I don't know why I keep thinking that, but then I just looked him up real quick cause, just to see what he looked like. But it's all jazz. Like what? Yeah. What was, I really, I honestly, I really thought it was blues rock and that's why I hadn't listened to it. Cause I'm just kind of over blues rock right now. But now that I know it's jazz, like I really want to fucking listen to it. It's, it's so good. And it's, it's good because the songs are great, but it's also good because you'll listen to it and you're like, oh, wow, that would have been a cool fucking hip-hop song. That would have been a cool sample you could use. That four-second clip that you just did, that would have been dope. Yeah. Fuck, man, I wish I would have listened. Why didn't you tell me it was jazz? I really I thought know. it was blues rock. <laughs> I told you like four times to listen to it. I know, but you should I I don't know why I kept thinking Even when you were rock. here, it's... even when you were picking it up, I was like, hey, I saved this just for you because I it's know, really, really I fucking know. good. You should listen to it. And you went, boop, 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 boop. I give know, me my, I know. Give me my second copy of AFI Bodies so I can listen to that one. Do, 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 do. <laughs> give, me, give me my bootleg of December Underground. I really want that. <laughs> <laughs> and my, Martin, my, my, my four Martin Denny records. <laughs> exactly. Give me my fucking 45th <laughs> Martin Denny record that I need to fucking listen to. Do, 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 do. 
Oh my it's god, so dude! My bootleg of fucking December. I'm the fucking. I'm the worst. I'm the fucking worst. I love it so good. Oh shit! Holy Ujula. fuck! Yeah. Did you know he, he Ram, back to Ramsey Lewis real quick? He died just back in September. Or did we talk about this? I don't know. No, no way. Of last year? Yeah, of yeah, September twelfth, twenty twenty two. Yeah. There's a kid that that that. I, I mean, I've t- I've talked about this kid often not often but somewhat this kid comes in almost every sunday and he loves the gorillas loves daft punk loves kanye just loves very electronic based stuff um and and every time he comes in on sundays i always give him like a free record say hey listen to this you'll like it i know you'll like it based on your likes and the first one i gave him was the Randy lewis the funky serenity because it's very electronic based there's a lot of a lot of really really good beats and this is what i explained to him he came back the next sunday he fucking loved it and again that switched on bach which you've probably seen the cover. This is totally off topic here. You've probably it's seen fine. the cover, but like the switched on Bach thing is is this this uh, this person that did all of these. It's dude. I'll, I'll send Wendy you the link Carlos? to it by Wendy Carlos. Yes, who did I've, the soundtrack for Clockwork Orange? I've never seen this cover before. I know, never seen it. But like the history with with her and that album, and the album is so fucking good, dude way better than has any right to be. <laughs> I gave him that one. I've, I gave him Buck Owens. I gave him a Johnny Cash record. I've just been giving him shit just to like build his collection. And you know, it's fucking three all records. Who cares? But he comes back and he tells me a little bit about the record. He's like, oh, I like this. I like this about it. I didn't like this about it. So it's kind of fun. But the Ramsey Lewis is where it all started. Like the Ramsey Lewis was the first thing that I gave him. I said, listen to this. You will like this. And God, that's it. so cool. Like, God, I wish I had somebody like that when I was a kid. To show me like, oh, you should you should do this outside of like my cousin, but you know that was always like one like you know tunnel vision or narrow minded stuff, you know, just hardcore punk, whatever. Yeah, I wish I had somebody that could that would like introduce me to shit like this. Yeah, goddamn. I mean, it's hard to honestly, it's hard to find people as great as us because people are of very narrow minded, and we are not. We are the, yeah, we're the we best. are arguably the greatest. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. So Fuji La, um, I mean, I'm 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 kind of good with this we one. Can move on, yeah. I'm, I'm looking at talking points here. See, if there's anything crazy I want to bring yeah, up. Yeah, I mean, from the top I, with Fuji La, I mean, I could talk about you know Lauren Hill more and the ooh la la's in the chorus, and then how it drops into the into her verse where it's faster paced, more intense. Love that. I just wanted to throw that out there. But, Tina Marie uh, sample there, the ooh la la la. But then also uh, this is one this is one of the few songs not one of the few songs but this is one of the songs where they're they're not talking about taking down other MCs they're talking more about their neighborhood uh, the abuse of you know you know cops you know taking advantage of yeah people in the neighborhood you know the abuse the violence um, and how everything's kind of rooted in racism so but but this song was 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 kind of unique too because each of them had their own kind of it was almost like each member had their they were telling a story of their day like so so Wyclef was talking about just kind of the, the the really negative stuff of the neighborhood like i said the violence the cops everything the racism and everything like that Lauren Hill's verse is more like a little more optimistic talking about her day-to-day life of living in the neighborhood eating sushi um just she's it's it's a little more lighthearted which was which was good yeah and then praz comes in with his and his is like really dark 
it takes like a like a like a, a turn to like drug addiction to homelessness um squatting it's um i i just i i like the the different viewpoints of the neighborhood of the day-to-day life in the neighborhood from the from these three perspectives yeah. so i really like that about this song I think the only other song on the album where where you get three different perspectives of something is like the mask, mm-hmm. and the mask is one where where like all three members are just kind of telling different stories, yeah. and um and in that one too, I think Proz has like the the better of the three. See, I wouldn't necessarily say it's better. It's just I I feel like a, when Proz does do something different, it's something like really fucking different. It's like a complete left turn from what Wyclef and and uh, Lauren are talking about. Because like it's so in the darker. mask, Wyclef is talking about working for the man and getting exploited by the man and, and not liking it. Lauren's yeah. talking about like an encounter with a guy that goes sideways and kind of like feeling like holy shit, this is what it's like to be a woman in in the grand scheme of things. And then Proz like comes in with like this this encounter that could have gone deadly, but according to him, he didn't have the balls to do it. And then he realized he was just listening too much gangster rap, which is kind of cool because it kind of shows like the disillusionment of the scene of gangster yeah. rap. Like you listen to so much gangster rap, you start to th- think you're a fucking gangster, but you're not well, a cause gangster. Because it, 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 I mean, that whole genre kind of romanticized itself. It made it seem like, oh, this is fucking cool. Let's all fucking do it. Well, there are fucking movies about it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. It was all over MTV. I mean, as much as they say, oh, you know, it's censored, it's terrible, this and that, but yet they would still play it all the fucking time. It got it got eyeballs on the screen. It sold it sold products through the advertising. Of course, yeah, that's uh, silly. But no, you're right. The the mask was another. It's another good example of the different perspectives from each member, and one of the I, few times where Praz is actually kind of highlighted in a song. My uh, so like just, uh, I have one more thing, and then I'm good for the rest of the, the rest of the episode. But the mask yeah. it samples a song called "Nights in White Satin" by the Moody Blues. And the Moody Blues is a band that I just I don't give a fucking shit about. Just boring C tier blues rock from the seventies era. Just don't care. But like holy fuck, man, that sample was so good that, that I listened to the song. And the song's mm. really, really fucking good. Really? So now, okay. And now I'm gonna go back and listen to a little bit of the Moody Blues. <laughs> Probably the greatest hits for now, and then go from there. But god damn, dude, that bass line is just it's unreal. It is unfucking real. So I didn't listen to the Moody Blues song, but what I wrote about this one was, okay, first of all, the wonky bass line, which you said is in the Moody Blues song. So that wonky bass line is that great. That is the Moody Blues song. Okay, that, that is the, okay so that is. Um, also, the vibraphone, the vibes. Come on, dude. I'm, you know me. I'm, the, I'm a sucker for the vibraphone for the- Pills for the pills. Sucker for that, the vibes. And it's it's such a small part of the song, but it's there. And then the melodica too. I love the melodica because it's so rooted in dub music, and just the 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 combination of those three things makes this song. It really sets this song apart, and I love that. I love that about the mask and the lyrics. I thought the lyrics were one of the better parts of this record as well. It was good. So. It was cool. It was it was cool to see all three of them do a little bit something different, something a little bit deeper. And yeah. not just name drop, but actually like tell a story. Yeah, I they're really they're actually really good at telling stories. Yeah, in the verses, I, I that's their strong point, and I really wish they would have focused more on that rather than talking about you know dominating the scene or taking down other MCs. Because like, God, dude, that's so fucking like 
you know, 80s hip hop, golden era hip hop. It's just so dull and boring. And um, so, yeah, then let's wrap it up. Let's give our final thoughts. Um, and then we will rate this record based off of our world famous three point rating system where three is a perfect album, two is a good album you're going to continue to listen to, one is a bad album, but give it a shot. And zero is the worst thing you've ever heard. So, uh, what do you got? This was uh, this was surprisingly good. I did I did not think this was going to be that good. I think "Killing Me Softly" is a great great song, but I thought this entire album was going to sound like that, and uh, I was a little nervous. So um, listening to their first album and how just how raw it was, how kind of DIY, how kind of how kind of bad it was, but like in a good way, how how innocent it was. Yeah, I was kind of looking forward to this. I was like, how the fuck do you go from your first album to "Killing Me Softly"? That's fucking bizarre. Um, and, and they did it well. They did it well. This entire album flows nicely. The sequencing is great. The skits, I don't even care if they're problematic. Fucking funny, dude. That, that Chinese restaurant skit was oh so God. funny. It yeah, was so goddamn voice. funny. His like, it's voice, so man. bad. Like, he's not even trying to be like, like imitating Chinese. He just No, he it's not normal. at all. And not at all. <laughs> oh God, it, it, just... was, it was good. <laughs> it was funny. But um, I, I I don't think these guys are great are great lyricists. I don't think they are 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 trying to be great. I think they're just trying to 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 show that they're tired of the fucking gangster rap. They're they're showing that they're not they don't like not everybody has to be gangster rap in in the mid nineties. And so mm-hmm. I, I think that because because of that because they took a chance because they started singing because they're talking about things that are not gangster rap. Because they're they're getting political, because they're not cussing. There's a lot of reasons why this is great, but it's because of the times. And it I, again, if this came out two years after or two years before this album actually came out, it wouldn't have hit as hard. '96 was just it was just a fucking year. It was just a year. This came out right before Pac died, mm-hmm. but then their last single, the last two singles, maybe came out right after Pac died. So. This was a this was a big deal. This was a big deal, and the world was watching. The world was watching because gangster rap. Good God, man, like that was that was a spectacle, and we were young. Yeah. And even then, I was like, I was just entranced by the spectacle of gangster rap. It's crazy how aware we were of it at such a young age. I mean, we were you know we were born in '87, so you know between the years of like three years old and ten years old, you know we were. We're right, in, yeah. not right in it. That's a bad way of saying it, but we were, we were very aware of it. Pretty fucking in it, though. Like we, we were Southern yeah. California. There was, a, there was. I mean, we were just a thirty-minute drive from like the epicenter of that's the fucking true, gangster yeah. rap headquarters. I mean, yeah, you can you can get to Watts in thirty forty-five minutes, even with traffic. You can get there in thirty forty-five minutes. So it was, it was. Uh, I mean, or just even like that part. I don't, remember, I don't, I don't remember what year it was. Remember that that kid Matthew Shepard. The yeah. the gay guy who they beat to death, right? Yeah, that was in yeah, the nineties like too. That was, yeah, that was shortly that was like ninety seven, right? That was like shortly after this this height of the gangster rap era. Not that it's anything to do with it. Yeah, what, but that's what's, just what are you relating? What are you? Because it's just it's just another high profile case of somebody who's very very young getting caught, and and the hype of other people that are really because people that beat him were also very very young, so we're all very impressionable in the nineties. And like I dressed like a gangster in the nineties. I wanted to be a gangster because I thought it was fucking cool. And I hung out with all these like Uber like gangster Mexican kids that I don't know if they I don't know what happened to them now. But yeah. like that's it was romanticized. Like that's what I wanted to do in middle school. 
And so I, it's just, man, the Fujis, I, I wish I would have got more into them in the 90s because that would have been nice. But um, instead, I listened to a lot of Tupac, a lot of a lot of West Coast. I hated the East Coast. <laughs> Still do. I mean, the Don't East care. Coast really is inferior in every way. I mean, outside of like underground, New, like East Coast, like New York sucks. Oof. But what about Tribe? What about Wu-Tang? But, tri- but Tribe and Wu-Tang were more underground. I'm talking about like, I'm pretty much just talking about the big boy stuff. Oh yeah, that's trash. That's awful, yeah. garbage. Um, so yeah, I, this this is just a product of its time. This is not like great. Outside of the fact that it's great because it came out during the height of the gangster rap era, I give this a solid, solid two point five. It's wow. good. There's a lot of great things about this, but it's nowhere near perfect. There's so many things on this that are that are just not two point five is even fucking high to be honest. Hmm. Okay. All right. My final thoughts. Uh, I mean, most of the song are ba- most of the songs are bangers. Um, like we, like I talked about. I mean, Lauren Hill just, God, dude, we've gushed so much about her on this record. Uh, I mean, just jumping through the negatives because we gotta we gotta go through them real really quick. Got the intro, outro, and skits are just dumb, unnecessary. Um, lyrics are hit or miss. When they're good, I really really liked them. Uh, beats are great not outstanding not perfect prose for the most part is unnecessary um outside of the production part of it but um i don't know with with all that said and done lauren hill fuck man i'm I'm gonna i'm gonna give this two ratings as it stands i'm gonna give this a 2.75 you take lauren hill out of this it's a one out of three Oh, a one? Damn. A one out of three. A one Damn, out of three Gina? if you take Lauren Hill. That's, that's how huge. That's huge. That's how important she is to this group. I don't care. That's how important she is. I mean, when dude, go back, listen to Miseducation compared to their two solo records, first solo records. It's nine fucking day. Their, their two solo records are forgettable. They really are. Not that they're bad. They're just, dude, you cannot compare them. You can't compare those two guys to Lauren Hill. So... 2.75 for me because she's amazing. I don't yeah, care. She's okay. fucking amazing. All right. All right. All right. All right. So, and, and this actually makes me, after this week, I, I I need to go back and listen to that. She did an Unplugged on MTV in 2002, I think it was, or 2003. Yeah. And um, did you listen to that? Yeah. I've, I mean, not, not this week, but I have listened to it before. You have? Okay. Yeah. Because I want to go back and, and get into that because, I, I mean, I'm just, I, I, I think she's amazing. So. Anyway, yeah, that's all I got. You have uh, you have anything else, or uh, what do you think? Uh, that's it. That's all. All right. Well, thank you all for listening. Go to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, give us five stars, and thank you all for listening. This is a good one. This is a lot of fun, and um, that's it. That's all. Too much